a common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. We've got Tony Schaefer coming up right now, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. Tony, first off, we've been talking about everything domestically, but I also got to ask you about this big news about Putin, first off, wanting to move nukes into Belarus. Talk about that, Tony Schaefer. So, yeah, so they've already deployed the launch platforms, the Iskander missile, which basically is a, is a uh, intermediate-range missile, which notably, a few years ago, we pulled out of something called the Intermediate force uh, treaty, the INF treaty, which prohibited uh, these sorts of weapons. The Russians said, oh, we don't have them. And they protested, of course. Well, apparently they do because they're deploying them to to Belarus. And what we have not confirmed yet is the movement of the warhead. So it's kind of two pieces. And uh, what it indicates to us is that they, the Russians, have reintroduced to their forces uh, missiles, intermediate range missiles, 500 to uh, 550, uh, 500 to 5,500-kilometer so, uh, so, range missiles into the battlefield. And that's what they're, That's what Putin is threatening to do. That's what he said over the weekend. Colonel Ed Cox here. So what yeah, I, should Biden's response, immediate response, be to that? Well, first off, he needs to basically, if he had a brain, would actually say, look, uh, Trump was right in pulling us out of the INF Treaty because uh, clearly the Russians were lying to us. And this is something that's easily proven. It's like, look, the State Department reported all, uh, like uh, five years straight they were violating it. And this is proof of it. And so that's the first thing to see. See, the Russians can't be trusted. They broke the treaty. Right. Uh, this helps put, put wind back in the sails of the Biden administration having the high ground regarding morality. And, and Tony, Tony, this yeah. is Rudy Washington. Hey, Rudy. If I recall correctly, we pulled out, uh, first year of uh, President Obama, we pulled out our missiles out of Poland and got nothing for it. We got nothing for it. And that's another mistake that's already been made. And obviously we have just opened within the last few weeks the first permanent U.S. base in Poland. So to your point, we should then say if you're going to put missiles with nuclear, you know, nuclear capable missiles in Belarus, we're that's, going to. That's put where nuclear- I was going, Tony. By the way, we're all nodding our heads. Well, Speaking of, by the way, you know the day, you know the day yes. they pulled out, by the way, uh, the missiles in Poland. It was the day of the Soviet invasion, the anniversary of the right. Soviet invasion. Of all days, it was such a slap <laughs> in the face to the Poles. Right. Go ahead, Judge. Well, I so, think. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's the part two. You, you're right on it. We need to actually examine how we can then introduce intermediate range missiles, which, by the way, we've been working on since we left the treaty. We don't have them ready yet, but we used to have something called Pershing 2s. They were theater missiles. I actually worked on some of those programs when I was a very young lieutenant. And we need to introduce back into the theater uh, cruise missiles, which have nuclear capability in Poland, and say, look, we're not going to put the, the, the weapons there. But since you put the Iskander missiles in Belarus, we have no choice but to do the same in Poland. I think that would be an adequate well, response. Well, if Biden had the courage to stand up and say that, you want to put them in Belarus, we're going to put them in Poland. Right. And maybe exactly. maybe maybe you'll will uh, halt and have some common sense and nobody will do anything. Yeah, but cat, what happened with the drone last week? What did we do? Did I miss it? Did we shoot down we two did or crap. three? Yeah, we, we did, did nothing. We didn't, we didn't take, did nothing. We didn't we did take crap. out we didn't take out three of their drones or four or five of their drones. We are such a wimp. And in fact, Tony, what is going on? Everybody well, is now, taking advantage now, of us. Saudi Arabia is building a new refinery in China. Right. So they're part of the new alliance there. Right. So on the drones first, look, uh, right after we struck where the drones came from, the Iranian groups, <laughs> the Pentagon immediately apologized, like, oh, we don't we don't want to increase hostilities here. But they, they should be saying, no, 
if you do this, you're going to suffer consequences. That's a problem with the current foreign policy. It's apologetic. If, if we get hit, the first thing to do is try to appease and walk away. And that just encourages a bully. And, and to your point, the, the Saudi thing, what the, the, uh, the Chinese indicate that the Saudis are leaving uh, uh, being our primary partner in the Middle East. I mean, the Saudis aren't pure. I, I've, I've had this debate with the folks on the left, but they are our chosen partner in the Middle East. And if they decide all of a sudden... It, not it might be, partner, be the past tense now. Yeah, because they were one of the key signatories of the Abraham Accords. They were the anchor, and we were bringing all these other countries into uh, the, the Abraham Accords to work with the Israelis. We actually had a very effective uh, uh, group going against uh, the Iranians, which was the key, because they, the Iranians with nuclear weapons, I think, is a, is a huge issue we all don't want to have to deal with. But instead, the Biden administration's reopened the joint agreed-upon framework with the Iranians. They've now alienated the Saudis multiple times. Joe Biden has done everything uh, to insult them, to, to basically drive them out of the alliance with us. Yeah, and yeah. now they're going to turn to China. Do I, did I miss something about this whole Khashoggi uh, incident? Is, is this what that's all about? I mean, we yeah. lose this relationship over that instance? Over two things. Over the Khashoggi thing, because Biden was very adamant about uh, going after the Saudis when he was running for president. Once he got in, the Saudis basically said, we're not going to deal with you. He had a chance to go over and meet with them. And instead of, of basically uh, uh, reproachment for saying, OK, we made some mistakes, he doubled down. He actually met, then demanded at the last election, last election cycle, that they, the Saudis, don't cut their, their production so that they would uh, keep oil prices low. And, of course, they said, we're not going to do that. That's one of the reasons oil prices are so high, because the Saudis – are not willing to do what the Biden administration has asked them to do. And now it's even worse by the fact they've turned to the Chinese to work with them on providing China. And by the way, this is a note that you, I think you'll all uh, want to actually remember. China has no more than two weeks any given time of fuel within their system. They, they cannot produce it enough to keep up with their economy. So they, huge, they, they have huge dependence on the Middle East, far more than us. And so the, the, the fact that the Saudis are now building a refinery indicates they're going to start – Needing that that's a, need that's a long-term relationship. Right, exactly. Well, well thank you, uh, Tony Schaefer. Thank you and for everything you've done for our country and continue to speak out for our country. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Great. Thank you, sir. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Joining us now is Rudy Giuliani. Uh, Rudy, uh, so many big things to talk about today. First off, the hugest story of the day, the shooting at the Tennessee school. Uh, you probably oh. heard three kids. They're age nine. We just found out oh how God. heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, and uh, three adults. And now the debate is gun control. Biden came right out on gun control. Uh, many oh, people cool. are saying it's much more. Is that for the than criminals that. gun control or for the legitimate citizens? Well, you know, I don't understand this. It just it, it, it just makes no sense. I've, I've been involved in law enforcement for 50 years. I've got nothing. I'm not a big gun person or non-gun person. Uh, gun control does not control the behavior of criminals or madmen. They're not controllable. Just by the very definition of the word gun control, these, these people are uncontrollable. They don't follow rules. So why would you expect that if you had all these rules, they would follow it? We have a lot of rules. We have a lot of gun control. And it doesn't do a damn thing right? for criminals. It, it, it affects the behavior of legitimate people. 
but it doesn't affect the behavior of criminals. Mr. Mayor, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. I I agree with you, and I think the issue is in this particular case, and many other cases, it's about basic school security. There should be armed guards. Okay. They should have magnetometers. The doors should be locked. Only one entrance in. Some sort of control over it. And to say this is no gun zone is absolute stupidity. What do you say? Of course, Judge. I mean, first of all, I think there are something like 300 million guns in the United States. So even if we had, like, uh, gun elimination, it would take about 30 years to do it, if we ever could do it. And during that time, we'd have to keep the schools secure. And second, it's about mental illness and our inability to really define it. Or you remember, I mean, you remember when all the people were were de-incarcerated? Senator Moynihan used to complain about that all the time, of about all the people that were let out of the institutions that are now walking the streets. It's kind of like uh, what it's kind of like what De Blasio and and uh, the state legislature did to us with regular criminals, mentally ill people who used to be in uh, hospitals by 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 law and are now basically walking the streets. You can see them walking around, talking to themselves and acting like maniacs. Those people used to be in institutions. They were deinstitutionalized. They were supposed to be cared for in the community, and they're not. And uh, and then we have a very hard time defining mental illness. Yeah, there are so many layers. So many layers. Hey, Rudy, I want to ask you, too, uh, before we let you go, uh, other big story today about the Trump grand jury. Uh, We are just getting word that David Pecker, who is the former CEO of American Media, testified. uh, Talk about that was obviously a rebuttal witness to Robert Costello, who was here on the show last week. Talk about the big news or how you put this context. Yeah, you know, you know, I see that as they're going to try to put together a case. I think the judge would, would, would would would. Understand this right away. I think they're trying to put together a case, Judge, where they don't have to call Cohen. Oh, exactly so right. To, exactly so right. Maybe they'll even maybe they'll even drop the Stormy Daniels part of the case, and they'll try to just rely on the payment to McDougal that was made by like the National Enquirer. Yeah, I would However, not put Cohen. I would not put the, the credibility of Bragg himself or the DA's office in Manhattan behind Cohen. I would keep him out. Yeah, you just get, get him out of the case. I mean, I can remember doing that with witnesses that were incredible. So you, you take him out of the case and you see if you have a case left. But uh, Rudy, Ed and, Cox here, how do they get around the two-year statute of limitations on that? I think they don't. They don't, Ed. They don't. They don't get around it. I mean, they lie their way around it. <laughs> I don't know how they get around it. Plus, the, the, the campaign violation is a federal Yes, exactly. And they're trying to attach it. It's the worst kind of bootstrapping I've ever seen, Rudy. It, and I took a, I don't it, a judge. I mean, suppose suppose there was an indictment of someone in in state court based on a federal law. I throw it I out. Came before I you. Throw I think, it out. I think you throw. I mean, of we don't even have to argue. I don't think, right? Not, I'd look at it and say it's out. It's dismissed. Sui sponte. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they should just give up on this case. That would be the discretion. His first. Remember, you know, a lot of times your first instinct is the best instinct, John. You know, you often say maybe that's that first instinct is the best one. Yes. His first instinct was not to go with this case. And and he was it right. Was Don't go bullied. with it because he's only going to look bad in this one. And look, I, you know, I, it is what it is. Rudy, thank you so much for calling in. Yep. We're going to have to take Great that job. hard break. And 
Have a great show. God bless you, and we'll catch up with you again soon. God bless you, too. I'll be back on Wednesday. All right. Thank you, Rudy. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. What is today is a prominent uh, the Jewish attorney, Eric Levine. Can I say it that way? Because you love Israel and you and, and we got one big mess in Israel. And we have you on right, right. to tell us what the heck is going on in Tel Aviv. We see some horrible pictures on, on television. Uh, give, us a, uh, give us what your understanding is. Sure. Well, first, I love Israel because I'm an American, and America and Israel share common values and have common enemies and common allies. The fact that I'm Jewish, I think, is incidental to that. Um, uh, listen, I'm only is- 6% Jewish, and I support Israel. There you go. There you go. And some of the strongest Israel supporters are evangelical Christians. So I don't think you have to be Jewish to support Israel. I just think you have to be pro-American. Yeah. Um, so what's going on in Israel, there, is, there were five elections roughly in a three-year period. And, and just given the way the Israeli government uh, and elections work, you have to get 61 members of the Knesset in order to have a majority and ruling coalition. And nobody was able to put that together. Finally, in a fifth election, Bibi Netanyahu won in an overwhelming uh, victory. But because he's conservative and a lot of people dislike Bibi, a lot of the people in Israel um, could not accept the fact that he had won. So they, so they, put in, so they declared a self-fulfill, self-fulfilling prophecy of his election is a threat to democracy. Not because he's done anything necessarily – but because if if, the, if, conser- if liberals win or progressives win, they accept the elections. But if a conservative wins, by definition, it's a threat to democracy because they will not recognize the election. You see in the streets of Tel Aviv and Haifa and Jerusalem right now, in large part, is a reaction to Bibi winning. They just can't accept that. What they are using as a pretext in this is the idea that the, uh, the new coalition, the new government, wants to reform the judiciary in Israel. And I think there's general acceptance that the judiciary does need to be reformed because it has way too much power. The way the way the Supreme Court in Israel currently works is that it is aggregated to itself. It has taken to itself the power to be able to find the law unconstitutional in Israel. The problem is Israel does not have a constitution. So how do you find something unconstitutional? This is just something that the Israeli court took for itself roughly 20 years ago. It was not part of the founding principles. It was not part of the uh, original uh, creation of the state. Just the Supreme Court about 20 years ago just decided they can do it. The American people should keep in mind the concept of judicial review that we have in the United States. is something that's very unique to the United States. It doesn't exist in democracies like the United Kingdom. And what they're trying to do in Israel is to make the Supreme Court in Israel much like the Supreme Court in the U.K. And everyone will agree that U.K. is a democracy. So they don't want to be, you have to remember also how judges currently on the Supreme Court are, are elected. The Supreme Court itself, the sitting judges pick the judges along with a very liberal. Um, you mean it, it's, it's a self-perpetuating Supreme Court? Yes, and you have, the, the Supreme Court, along with the Bar Association, selects the judges, unanswerable to anybody. Bar associations, in, in by definition, are not conservative or not moderate. They're just very liberal. That's the bottom line. Very of liberal. Bar so, yeah. so, so they say it's a threat to democracy, but 
the, the Israeli people voted and in a fair and free election, and Bibi and his coalition won. They spoke. So it is far more democratic. So what they, what they want to do in part is to have the Supreme Court and the way it's selected answerable to elected officials, much like we have here. The president nominates, the president nominates a Supreme Court justice, and then the Senate confirms the Supreme Court justice, and they're answerable to elected officials. You don't have that in Israel. So then the other concept that the Israelis have in the Supreme Court, is, as the Supreme Court took for itself, is the idea that they can find a law unreasonable. Now, why an unelected body of officials can find a law unreasonable and their judgment substitute for elected officials seems to me that's anti-democratic. So the idea that this is the threat to democracy, if anyone's threatening democracy, it's the protesters. But it's not really protesting, I think, the Supreme Court. I think it's just more general opposition to Bibi. Where I think the protesters, however, have a legitimate beef, in my, this is my opinion, is All what right. they want to do as part of the judicial reform is if the Supreme Court finds a law, you know, finds against, uh, goes in a particular way and the Knesset, the governing body, doesn't like it, by a simple majority, they can reverse that decision. I think that's a mistake. Well, Eric, thank you very, very much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, Great to have you here and great to get your insights. I mean, we've been watching these headlines and seeing the video. Thank you so much for being here on Cats at Cosby. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. Sure Take care. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Rudy Washington, you've been talking about all our factories around the country mysteriously blowing up. Or fires. Or mysteriously having fires. Uh, well, that chocolate factory? And the big that chocolate factory all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, you know, There's something going on in our country that, John, that, that we don't know about? You, you know, I started in on this in 21, 2021. You started over a year ago. Over a year ago. That there's suspicious fires and, and, explosions. Uh, and, and explosions. explosions in food uh, factories. Are, and, is somebody trying to destroy our food, food and, sources? And these factories are being leveled. They're, they're not like a, a kitchen fire. It's actually leveling major uh, food production in our country. And I zoomed in on this over a year ago. Uh, I stopped my last count at 32 major fires, and now we're up to 90. Uh, okay, so- hold on. We got J.C. Cole with us, and he uh, brought it to my attention that uh, a place, the chocolate factory in, in Pennsylvania blew up. J.C., would you be able to tell us what the heck is going on and what, what do you fear? Well, you know, cats. I, I see a bunch of things, and, and actually, just yesterday, a fire destroyed a pickle factory yeah, in, in Patterson, Patterson, New Jersey. Yeah, you know, and, and and so what we're looking at is a very large amount of food production facilities um, uh, somehow getting destroyed. Now, the the challenges. We don't know if this is a normal amount because um, nobody's really doing an investigative reporting on it or if there's a clandestine attack on our food production. That's what I'm you afraid know? of. Uh, my, my chief of staff is the former head of the FBI, George Venizelos, and I put it to him to check with his sources because 
there's a lot of food places being blown up or or devastating fires. Yes, that's true. And 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 cats. It's not only uh, restricted to food producers because we see chemical factories going up. We see water treatment chemical factories um, catching on fire. Um, we see train derailments, and we see energy refineries. Which well, is, is, yeah. is America under attack? Is that what you're saying? Well, I, I wanted to ask Tony, uh, our previous guest, uh, you got to have rocks in your head if you don't believe thousands, not hundreds, thousands of terrorists have walked across the border and are right here in the United States creating mischief. So they're here. So, I, yes, I'll answer your question, John. I believe right. we are under attack. Go ahead, JC. Go ahead, JC. I agree. And, and historically in war, right, before the, the, the kinetic war, special forces go in and destroy the infrastructure of the enemy and make it look like a coincidence. Our Navy SEALs are trained that way. The Russian Spetsnaz are trained that way. The Israeli Mossad are trained that way. And we may have a fifth column that is not identified that is doing this. And, and the big question is, does, does the FBI know it? Does the Department of Justice, who's been putting down the FBI, know it? What the heck is going well, John, on? That's in, what we have in, to find in out. In April 2021, uh, the FBI sent out a notice to agricultural uh, producers saying, you know, to harden their their uh, software because they were being attacked. So they know what's I going just on. Got a, I just got a text from our friend in Washington, you know, our mutual friend. Uh, there are 20-plus food facilities that have burned down in 2022 so far. My uh, Patriot Supply, they are – see the story? So something is going on, and uh, I'm yeah, going to wow. uh, ask George Venizelos to look into it because – 20 food facilities burned down in 2022 alone. That's a big deal. Yeah. Big we deal. three bucks. Well, JC, and, thank you. Stay on top of it. Keep your ears open. And I answer your, your texts or your emails at 2.30 in the morning. It's fine, right? You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And I understand we've got Melissa DeRosa, of course, the former chief aide, uh, senior person there to then Governor Cuomo. Melissa, great to have you here. Uh, by the way, before we get started, what do you think is headed for your boss? Ed Cox threw it out there. Uh, do you think uh, he might challenge? And also, where are we headed with everything in Albany with Kathy Hochul? So <laughs> let's take one thing at a time. I didn't hear what the chairman said he may challenge on. Chairman, what do you think Governor Cuomo is going to run well, for? Well, there's rumors going around that uh, Andrew Cuomo might challenge Gillibrand in a primary. I, I don't think you're ready to announce for him yet. But, that, uh, that, that, uh, that Senator Schumer has designated AOC to challenge Gillibrand. That would make, <laughs> that would make a little bit more sense. Melissa, you want to chime in? So, I, you know, as re, as it relates to the, the rumors on Governor Cuomo, you know, he is, has not talked to me about that. Obviously, I've read in the papers that she is telling people that in a, as a way to try to drum up some interest in her own race. But, you know, I think she should be careful what she wishes for, because one of these days, one of the people she says may run against her may actually do it. And then she's going to have a problem, because according to that Siena College poll that was released today, you know, a woman who's been in statewide office for 12 years cannot be excited about the fact that 40 percent of the public still doesn't know enough about her to form an opinion. And I think that that is because 
Kirsten Gillibrand, you know, has spent a lot of time in D.C., ran for president, never pulled above zero percent. And other than, you know, her legacy. Of was that more or less than Franken, uh, Bill de Blasio? <laughs> I think they, were, they were tied at zero percent. Was, it was a proud moment for New York all around. <laughs> But, you know, other than taking down Al Franken, Chairman, I, I don't know really much that she's known for. So I think that she is ripe for a challenge. The question is going to be who, and I'm not sure it's my former boss. Do you think that AOC would be well, able to beat what's her? What's going on with the budget? Oh, oh the does, budget. Does Kathy Hochul have a chance of, uh, of bringing down uh, the state Senate? Who's going to be the governor, the state Senate or Kathy Hochul? You know, it's interesting, John. She, I heard reports out over the weekend. Obviously, I'm keeping my ear to the ground. It's just old habits die hard. And my sources in Albany say that she, you know, sort of stomped her feet this weekend and said, until there is more movement on criminal justice reform, I'm not going to negotiate on anything else. And so, you know, she is staking, I think, her governorship on what she gets done on bail. So to the extent that she can project seriousness on it, she is attempting to project seriousness on it. And now the question is, what does she actually get? Because it's not going to be enough to get something, right? It's going to be what is what is the thing that she gets? So, and, you know, sorry, go ahead. So right in the middle of this, the Commission on Judicial Nomination tosses seven nominees into the middle of the whole budget negotiations. What? what? Well, you it's interesting because it sh- that actually gives the legislature sort of a point of leverage if they wanted to use one. Because as soon as those judges' names are handed up, you've got 30 days for them to consider them. So should this budget go late, which it's, it's absolutely going to go late. The question is how late. But should this budget go into real overtime two weeks late, three weeks late, all of a sudden you have a scenario where the Senate has her life in their hands again because they can decide whether or not to confirm or judge or embarrass her for a second time in truly historic fashion. So it was sort of an interesting sort of, you know, grenade that was thrown into this entire thing. But my sense is she's going to pick either Shirley Troutman or Rowan Wilson, both who, you know, sided against Janet DeFiori in that redistricting case chairman um, and who are, you know, Shirley Troutman was her appointee, African-American woman from Buffalo, um, Rowan Wilson, former lawyer, African-American from Long Island. I, I'm betting she's going to pick one of those two. They're very progressive. It'll be hard for the legislature to give them a hard time. Now, I need a legal opinion. I get out of the building where our office is. I get out. I walk on the block where my home is, and all I can smell is pot, pot, mm. pot. Can I start? Can we start a class action suit against this? I mean, they, they say I can't. Uh, cigarette oh, smoke is against the law. What, secondhand smoke? Is secondhand that what you're saying? Secondhand smoke, pot smoke. No, it is such a debacle. And I was just saying this the other day to someone. The rollout of legalized marijuana in New York in the last 12 months is, to me, emblematic of where the government is. I mean, you've got these various companies who spent a lot of time and money vying for these prized licenses to be able to legally sell. And what happens? You've got illegal pot shops on every corner in New York. It's completely out of control. There's zero enforcement. It's it's just a total disaster. I am getting high just walking out of our office. It is. It is everywhere. I can't stand it. And that secondhand smoke is just and, as bad. And everybody bad. was yelling up and down, secondhand smoke, secondhand smoke. Well, what do you do with the pot smoke? That's secondhand smoke. That's a great point. And and it's like you see these crazy Let's people walking around and drugged out. Let's get some action suit, but who do we sue? Get the judge. Judge, what do you say? Who do who we do sue? We sue? <laughs>
Uh, you put me in a very dangerous All right, situation. We want you to, to think about I'm going to have to take a tough to relax. We want you to think about, about it. Johnny, you, want, the law, you so, want that law to go up in smoke? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, you're great. Uh, thank, thank you. Thank you, Melissa, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks, guys.